Hello, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. Well, I found myself laying on my back in the grass, staring up at the sky, having no idea how I got there. Um, I, my left hand was tingling in a strange way that didn't make sense, and I was only 20 years old, so I'm sure in my heart it was not a stroke or some kind of heart attack, but this was the situation I found myself in. Moments before, as my memories came back to my mind and I sat up and shook my head, I remembered what I had been doing. Um, I always loved taking stuff apart. Uh, but I was never the kind of guy who could put it back together. Uh, I know some of you, you love taking stuff apart and then figuring out how it works and fixing it. I just love taking it apart. Uh, Maybe it was just my love of destruction and metal music that caused that to happen. But we were at college and we were staying in apartments, me and three guys, and someone was throwing out an old TV. And I had plenty of time, you know, going to college and working a full-time job and trying to pay rent and get my studies done. So I decided what better way to spend my afternoon than to rip apart an old tube TV. So that's what I decided to do. So it's out on the lawn in front of our apartment. It's a little weird, okay? If you didn't know that already, this helps you understand. And uh, got a pair of tin snips and was starting to pull stuff apart and unscrew it. And then there was this red cord coming from the top of the tube that I could not get off. I don't understand it at that time how things worked, so I thought, well, I want to get this tube separate. Maybe we'll put it in our apartment as some college guys as a cool piece of decor. So I got to get this thing off. So I take this tin snips, all made of metal, and cut through that cord, and boom, the next thing I remembered, I'm on the grass looking up at the sky with my left hand tingling. What I did not understand is that that tube is a giant capacitor. What that means for those of you who don't understand electronics is it holds on to a charge. It just holds the electricity in there. It's not a battery because when it's time to release it, it releases all of it at once, which is exactly what happened when I cut through that and the metal made contact with the wire and blew me backwards onto the ground. Thankfully, it's had no lasting effects on me. My wife laughed a little too loud at that one. But what we're looking at today is very much like this TV. We are looking at prayer and that truth that prayer is more powerful than we realize. Prayer has a power inside of it that you didn't know what that was there. That TV had been unplugged for a few days and it still held that charge. And prayer, even if you haven't engaged with it for a long time, has a power stored up in it that is ready to be released. And that power is the Holy Spirit that empowers our prayer, that comes and meets us when we come and talk with God. So our big idea today is there is more power in prayer than we realize. And we're going to talk through that today. Prayer is something that some people just love. And if you're one of those people, get on board. It is going to be good. But it's another thing that a lot of people are intimidated by. They feel they don't know how to pray. They're going to do it wrong. They're going to mess up. Or I've heard other people say, well, God already knows what I want, so why should I pray? I mean, the Bible even says that your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask. But then it goes on to say, so ask quickly 
without words that go on and on and on. So he wants us to engage with him. Our theme verse for today comes out of John 14, 13 through 14. And I just want to remind us of the power of Scripture before we read our verse today. The Bible is the inspired Word of God that is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword is what the Bible says. It's like a scalpel in the hands of a master surgeon that cuts out the things that need to be removed from our life and restores the things that need to be established in our life. So as we read the Word of God, let's do it with an open heart, expecting His power to move in us and through us. John 14, 13 through 14, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, but also this is Jesus talking to us today. That we can ask anything in his name and it will be done. So before we get to our first point, I just want to define prayer real quickly here. Prayer is communicating with God. That's prayer. Communicating with God. The communication part means you are giving him thoughts, giving him words, giving him expression of yourself. Sometimes I love to draw. Sometimes my drawings are a prayer. I'm communicating to God through the images I draw. Others are musicians, and you communicate with God through the music you make. But all of us can communicate with God through the thoughts we think, the actions we take, and the words we say. But then it's with. It's not communicating to God. It's with God. It's this back and forth communication. We communicate to him, but then we take time to pause to hear from him. The picture that came to me today during our morning prayer time, advertisement, 9 to 9.30, every Sunday morning, prayer. Try it out. That with time when we are listening, it's almost like we have to still our soul and let the silt settle before we hear God clearly. Sometimes we just want to pause for a moment. God, you got anything for me? Nope, okay. And our soul is still all stirred up with all the stuff we've been even praying about that we don't be still and know that he's God. So communication with God and then the final piece is God. We're not just sending thoughts and energy out into the universe and hoping the universe gives us something back. We're not reaching some vibrational plane that we connect and manifest things with our own abilities. We are talking with the living God who knows you, who has a personality, who has preferences and things he loves and things he doesn't like, who is a God of love and grace and compassion but also justice and vengeance and righteousness. So prayer is communicating with God. It's that simple. But you can see there's a lot to that. So when we say prayer, that's what I'm talking about. So when we pray, situations change. That's our first point. When we pray, situations change. I've heard some people pray, say, prayer doesn't change God, but it does change you. Now, we'll get to that part of it, but we need to start with the truth that prayer changes things. 
Prayer changes situations, changes externals in your life. It doesn't just change your perspective or your heart or your emotions. If that's all we come to prayer with, we are missing it. We are leaving so much on the counter that has been paid for for us that we're not taking home. God has so much he wants to do through prayer. We see this not only through scripture, time after time after time when people pray and supernatural things happen, but we see it throughout church history. We see it in the lives represented in this room. There are testimonies of prayer changing things that you have no idea about. John 14, 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. It's pretty clear, but I've got a problem with that as well. I have prayed for a lot of things that didn't change. I've stepped up in faith, in confidence, believing these words of God, praying in Jesus' name for situations to change, and they didn't change. So if we believe the word of God is true, and that this statement that if you ask anything in Jesus' name, it will happen, how come so many times those prayers are not answered the way we ask? Yeah, I don't know. No, we have some answers for you. We can't go on to the rest of this. We can't let our faith faith be built if this question is looming because it's a real question. It's a real experience for every Christian I have ever known in my life that they have prayed for things that have not ever happened. So why is that? I'm going to give you a few things. We'll kind of go rapid fire here. But I think it'll help us understand. First of all, the Bible tells us we can ask with wrong motives. And I think this may be one of the biggest reasons prayers don't get answered. We ask with wrong motives. The way the Bible says it is you ask for things so you can spend them on yourself. I want because I want it. It'll make me feel better. It'll make my life more comfortable. I'll have the stuff, the relationships, or the things that I want. That prayer is self-focused. Now, I'm not saying you can't pray for things for yourself. You definitely can. But what is the purpose of prayer? It's communicating with God that God would move. But so many times we ask with wrong motives. And this is a huge one. This is why it's so important to take time to reflect, to ask the Lord to examine your spirit, to show you your wicked ways, your twisted motives. Because we can do really, really great, nice, wonderful, meaningful, life-changing, world-changing things with the wrong motives. You ever notice when your kids are being real nice to you? So nice you get a little nervous? Sometimes that's how we are with God. Lord, you know I've been going to church real good. I even fasted this week. Well, like, I ate half of what I'd normally eat at lunch. Or maybe you're really fasting. You're like, I have had nothing but water for five days. Now you owe me what I'm asking for. Oh, oh really? Oh, okay. So wrong motives. The next one is unconfessed sin. I'm not saying that you never sin, but unconfessed sin. Sin that you're just like, this is me, and I don't have to ask the Lord to forgive me. I don't have to confess it to him. I found incredible power not only in confessing sin to the Lord, but to another human. 
it's easy for me to confess sin to God because I know he paid for me on the cross. He loves me so much and it's wiped away. But it kind of becomes more real when I confess my sin to another human being because that person isn't perfectly loving and kind and forgiving. They're a human. And in fact, tonight at our worship experience, we're going to make some space and have some people who are filled with the Spirit and full of grace that if you have a sin you need to confess, they'll be there. Now, you don't need to confess your sin to a human to be forgiven. You have direct access to God, but there is a special freedom that comes when we also confess our sins one to another, like the Bible says, that there's healing and forgiveness in that. So, Wrong motives, unconfessed sin, pride, thinking you're better than you are. That's a big barrier to to God answering your prayers. Boom, boom, boom. That entitled, I deserve it attitude will sometimes cause God to say, I really want to do what you're asking, but I cannot reward that attitude. It has helped me so much to be a parent and realize God the Father really is a father to us. He's not just a genie in the sky or some power being out there. He is a father who is trying to train us up so we become mature, right, whole, healthy people that don't get bound up by the junk of our own attitudes. The other thing is doubt. If you ask doubting, do not expect to get what you ask for. That's what the Bible tells us. So faith is a level of this. Now, you got to be careful. I've heard people say, you know why you're not healed, right? Because you don't believe enough. If you just believe more, God will do it. Now, that is weird, wrong teaching. That causes a lot of guilt and shame. But what I'm talking about is, do you believe God can move? Do you believe God hears you? Do you believe in God himself? Don't doubt when you ask. And that's practice. That just takes practice. It takes time to learn how to do that. But the more you do it, the more it'll happen. But here's a secret to that. Ask the Holy Spirit for the gift of faith. He will come in supernaturally and be like, I got you. I got you. We think of the the centurion that said, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. So if you're having a hard time with doubt, ask God for help. He would love to help you have faith. Love to help you believe. The next thing is it's not the right time. It's like a three-year-old asking for a driver's license. No, it is not the right time. You will endanger yourself and everyone else around you. And God knows. Sometimes he has to say, wait. I, oh, it's coming. I have it stored up for you. I know the time. I know the date. I know the moment I get to release this into your life. But now is not yet because you are not ready. It would not be healthy for you for me to give you this. Moses was 80 years old before he received the call to set the children of Israel free. You would have thought his life was passed up. Abraham was 100 years old before Isaac was given to him. God knew Abraham needed 100 years of maturity before he was ready to be the father of Isaac. So the not yet is another reason that we don't get that answer. Another one that is big in the New Testament makes a lot of this is unresolved relationships. Is there, especially among believers, is there another Christian you're holding something against in your heart? Little bitterness, little unforgiveness. You're just mad at them. 
Well, first of all, pray and say, God, heal this. Help me in this. I'm broken. I need to be restored. Or what they did really deeply wounded me. Will you be the God who heals me? Which we'll talk about in a moment. But then also go to that individual and either say, I'm so sorry, but I need to let you know you really hurt me through this. Or maybe you don't even know why. You ever have those people you just don't like and you're not sure why? You're just like, You can go to them and say, you know what? I feel like we got something between us and I don't even know what it is. I just want to say I'm sorry. And could we pray together and ask God to heal whatever this is between us? It takes guts. It takes bravery. But boy, is it the heart of God to restore relationships that have been broken. Now, you're probably not going to become best buddies. That's okay. God doesn't say you have to be best friends with everyone. But he does tell us to live in unity one with, a, one with another. So, those unresolved relationships. And then finally, we don't truly see what's best. We don't really know what the best thing for us is. And I've mentioned this before, like a kid asking for more candy. Candy is delicious. It's wonderful. And it will destroy you if you eat it nonstop. And we ask for things that aren't good for us. We don't really know. One of the interesting things we see at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer is that Jesus teaches us to pray, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not let my will be done on earth and also in heaven. No, let your will be done. So in all of this, we need to submit ourselves to the will of God. So I'll just read through those super quick, wrong motives, unconfessed sin, pride, doubt, wrong timing, unresolved relationships. We don't truly know what's best. But just because there are reasons that prayers aren't answered the way we want, doesn't mean we should give up on prayer. Doesn't mean we shouldn't go after this truth. It just gives us reasons why, oh, maybe I need to check through some of these things to see, are these in my life that would hinder my prayer? Because God's heart is to answer our prayer. His drive, his main way, his leading edge is to say yes, 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 yes. I'm moving, I'm answering. I'm on the move in your life when you pray. When we pray, situations change. Psalm 107, 28 through 30 says this, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. This is talking about the children of Israel being set free that I mentioned during communion time. But it also sees, we see it played out when Jesus is in the boat with the disciples and the storm is raging and he just stands, stands up and says, be still. And the storm stops. If you have storms going on in your life, pray for peace. Pray that they're resolved. Pray that God comes in supernaturally. We've seen prayers answered in that Wednesday morning prayer time. Jobs have been given. Salvations have happened. Encouragement. Relationships have been restored. Just this small group of about 10 to 16 people that gather. We are almost every week seeing answered prayer. Just supernatural things that God's doing. Matthew 7, 7 through 8 says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. That power is stored up in God. 
waiting to be released for you as we ask, as we seek, as we knock. It's really that simple. Prayer. So prayer is communication with God. And when we pray, the Holy Spirit empowers. Not only do situations change, but the Holy Spirit shows up in power to do stuff in your life, to move in you and through you in ways you could never do on your own. I am so thankful we have access to a God that empowers his people, that empowers his church, that it isn't just up to our best guess or our gutted out mentality, but it's up to the presence of God to show up in power and change things. So it isn't just the external things. We are changed when we pray. Romans 8.26 puts it like this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Holy Spirit is praying for you. Have you ever run out of words run out of the way to pray, you're like, I have no words for this. I don't even know what to ask God. I am so churned up on the inside. I have nothing. In that moment, the Holy Spirit is praying for you. But he also wants to give you a language to pray. That is not the language you learned as a child, but we read in Acts 2 and all throughout Acts and much of the New Testament about the different gifts of the Spirit, and one of them is praying in tongues, praying in a language you didn't learn that is a spiritual language that you're able to express things you don't have words for. You're able to agree with the Spirit perfectly in your prayer. And for some of you, that's something you've never experienced, and you're like, that is weird. Yeah, it is. I mean, the supernatural God of the universe who we can't see, taste, touch, or feel wants to inhabit us and give us a language we've never learned to pray back to him the things he's putting in our hearts? Yeah, that's a little weird. But I didn't make it up. God did. This was his plan. He's like, I am so desperate for you to communicate with me, not because he needs it, not because he's too weak and he's like, I just need a friend. No, he's fine in himself. But because he wants to make sure nothing hinders our connection with him. That he's like, hey, I will bypass all your hindrances and let you pray this perfectly pure prayer to me. And if that's something you want, the Bible says just ask and God will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. He'll give you these different gifts of God. And that's just one of the many gifts of the Spirit. The picture is of oil being poured out. Um, I had someone this last week ask me to come and anoint, pray for their house, and I brought a little vial of oil and prayed for their house and anointed it with oil, just as a symbol of the Spirit of God. And then, um, being who I am, I forgot that oil in the car. Um, and it wasn't my vehicle, it was my wife's vehicle. And someone in the car took it out of the, the cup holder and put it right on that little dash, there's um, like a little shelf there, and the cover wasn't on, and oil spilled all over in my wife's car, and I need to clean that up, but oil is very hard to clean up. Why? Because it goes everywhere. It finds its way into every little crevice and corner, and that's what the Holy Spirit does when he's poured out in our life. Even those secret areas that you're ashamed of, the Holy Spirit enters and brings healing and restoration, and redemption. 
those jagged edges of your life, the Holy Spirit, the oil of the Spirit runs over that and brings healing and softening to the hard parts of our life. The Holy Spirit empowers us when we pray. Acts 8, 15 through 16, we see Peter and John. And it tells us this, Peter and John went to Samaria and prayed that the Samaritans would receive the Holy Spirit Before this, the Holy Spirit had not come to any of the Samaritans. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we see this as a move of the Spirit, that there's more of the Holy Spirit available for you than you've received. Even those of you who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, pray in tongues every day, experiencing the power of God, there's more. There's more of the presence of God available to us. And prayer is how we make that connection as we connect, as we connect, as we communicate with God. So, we want to encourage you to do that. If you want that, we'll have people up front here at the end of service, and I'll be up here to pray with you and just believe for God to pour out that supernatural gift of the baptism of the Spirit. But you don't need us. You can go directly to the Lord and ask for that. But we do see a pattern in Scripture of people laying hands on others as they pray, and that's when that extra gift of the Spirit is poured out. So if you're constantly running into barriers in prayer, I want to invite you to ask God to baptize you in that Holy Spirit, to pour that oil out over your life, that He can cover every area of your life. The last point I want to hit here before we wrap it up is when we pray, supernatural healing happens. Supernatural healing happens when we pray. God is in the business of still healing people today. He wants to heal you in ways you didn't know possible. And sometimes we just give up. I know I've gone through seasons where I've given up on praying for healing. Because I'm like, I prayed for 20 people and I haven't seen any of them get healed. This is a waste of my time not going through that whole list of things that maybe those that stuff's in my life and I need to look at my reasons that my prayer's not being answered. But sometimes God just says no. But that doesn't mean he isn't still a God that heals supernaturally. James 5, 14 through 16 tells us this. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. So if you need healing, call for the elders of the church to pray for you. Okay? That's that's your responsibility to call for the elders of the church to pray for you. And we'll agree in faith, believing for God to heal you. It's not because we have the power to heal. We don't. Only God does. He's the healer. But there's something, again, about relationship that's so important to God. That we would come together and connect. He can do it all himself without prayer. He could do everything. But he's like, that's not the main point, is your comfort. The main point is not that you get what you want. The main point is that you connect with me and you connect with other humans. Because love is the heart of all of this. Not manipulating God in the right way to get your outcome. That's what witchcraft is. Manipulating all the pieces and parts and words and time of the day, and that's witchcraft. But this is relationship. 
Prayer is not some meditative power that we possess. It is a communication, a conversation with God and with others, believing for him to move. But we do see God heal physically. I know many people who God has healed. Many people who God has restored from cancer, from back problems, from broken limbs, from wounded feet, from all kinds of different things that have been wrong with them that God has healed. Prayer, though, needs to be our first response, not our last resort. I've done that. My guess is you've done that. Oh, we've tried everything else. Oh, we better pray. Why don't we pray first? As we're calling 911, we're praying. Lord Jesus, I pray you will heal this. Hello, 911. Just a second, I'm praying. And I ask that you will show up in power in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, 911, we need you to show up now. We're not saying ignore the medical field. God's given incredible wisdom and insight and revelation to those in the medical field. I'm so thankful for them. But let's start with prayer on our way to the hospital. Let's start with prayer rather than, boy, we've done everything humans know to do. I guess it's time to give God a shot. Let him show up first. There are times we see Paul prayed three times for this thorn in the flesh to be removed from him, and it was not removed. But then he said, but God's grace is sufficient. So there are times that that happens, but the leading indicator we see in Scripture is to pray believing for healing. Not give yourself reasons not to believe. Because I've also been at the bedsides of people that have passed away that we have anointed with oil and believed the purest belief of faith that God will raise up, and he doesn't. But this is what I found. And I think I heard this from Nikki Gumbel, and then I've seen it in my life. When we don't pray for people to get healed, nobody gets healed. But when we do pray for people to get healed, some people get healed. I would rather be in the some than the none. So let's pray for healing and believe that God does it, but he doesn't just do physical healing. Matthew 8, 16 tells us this. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. He cast them out, cast out the spirits with a word and healed those who were sick. God heals us spiritually too. I mean, we're talking about some heavy stuff this morning, but I want us to step forward in truth, in faith, knowing what's possible in God. So if we're going to believe God is real, his love is real, Jesus died on the cross to defeat death, hell, and the grave, rose again. He's the God of healing, the God we can talk to. We also have to believe what the Bible says about demons and Satan. They're real. They hate you. They want to destroy you. They're out to wreck your life. So why wouldn't we ask God to fight our fight for us? I don't know about you, but I'm not a great demon fighter. Like, I don't, I, I've, I've been in the presence of God when he's cast demons out, and I've had that opportunity to pray over people and see demons leave, but I'm no demon hunter in my own strength. In fact, we even see in the Bible that the archangel said, the Lord rebuke you when he encountered Satan. He didn't even say, I have all the power of heaven Get out of here, Satan. He said, let the Lord rebuke you. He recognizes where the power of deliverance came from. And it wasn't his ability to defeat Satan with his archangel power. It was God in heaven. But God heals us spiritually through prayer. The enemy is real and wants to oppress and destroy and even possess people. 
But God is so much bigger than that. We don't have to live in fear of that. But if you have some things in your life you just can't shake, you may need to ask God to deliver you from the evil one. In fact, that's in the Lord's Prayer. The last line of the Lord's Prayer is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So it isn't this odd, strange corner thing where you get the exorcist to come in and go through all the ritual. No, we can just pray daily, Lord, deliver us from the evil one. I got this junk in my life I can't shake. I got this habit I can't give up. Deliver me from the evil one. And just like with physical healing, we need to take advantage of the things that help our spirits heal as well. Maybe if you, you got an addiction, you need to be a part of a recovery group. Maybe if you've got a mindset that can't get away, you need some counseling. But again, let God be the first response, not the last resort. And finally, he wants to heal us emotionally. One of the things I'm so thankful for our current culture is understanding the importance of mental health and emotional health and well-being. It's something that's been pushed down far too long in our world. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then we yell at our spouses and our kids and we overeat and we drink too much and we go spend time doing stuff that are no good for us. But I'm fine, I'm, I'm great, yeah, why? Or Sunday morning, how you doing? Great. Did you just lie at church? Go to the Lord with your emotional pain. Ask the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the counselor, the one who walks alongside of you in your pain to be there for you. That is who he is. What emotional wounds are you walking around with? Bring them to the Lord in prayer. Communicate with him. Some, it might just be tears. Or it might just be silence. Or it might be a litany of things you just unleash on the Lord. Let me tell you, he can handle it. He can handle your pain. He can handle the embarrassment that you've gone through. He can handle the depression. He can handle the shame and guilt. His shoulders carried our cross. He can carry your wounding. Don't hold back with God. Share your emotional pain and let him come in and bring healing. It doesn't mean we'll never suffer. Through the month of November and even into December, I just was down. I was heavy in my heart. I could push through it and do what had to get done, but I had nothing in me. I didn't know why. I was doing all the right stuff. But through that, there were times I was like, I don't even want to talk to God about this because nothing helps. I even told my wife when she said, what can I do to help you, hon? Don't ever ask that again. Because I don't know, and every time you ask me, just shows me that there's no hope here. And I spent some time with the Lord, and it didn't seem to help. Started journaling, writing to him, reading scripture more than I normally did, and still didn't seem to help. But I kept doing the things I knew to do. And the, the dawn came. Scripture tells us, though the sorrows last for the night... Joy comes in the morning. Don't sit down in your sorrows. Don't give in to that. Keep walking. Keep 
praying, keep sharing. In fact, I even shared that with our prayer group one Wednesday morning. I asked for help. Will you pray for me and our staff? I just feel like we're going through a deep season. And they prayed, and it was powerful. And God turned the tide. I wanted to do it on my own. I wanted to be a good enough pastor and a spiritual enough man who's walked with the Lord for 45 years of my life, and I should be able to pull myself up in my own prayers. But I had to reach out to others for my emotional healing in Jesus. So don't keep it a secret. We're not going to judge you. We're going to love you. We're going to stand in faith. And if you need to tell us to just be quiet and just be there, tell us. And we'll do that. But God heals us physically, spiritually, and emotionally. I have given you a lot of stuff today. We're going to wrap it up. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And I would just ask, there's a lot we can respond to here. Like I mentioned, we'll have prayer people up front. But tonight has been designed to be a response to this morning's message. Tonight to worship God, to spend time processing and interacting and acting on the things we've talked about today. So we'll be here as long as you need. If you need to get going, that's okay. But I just want to give two opportunities as we wrap it up today. First of all, for those of you who haven't come to know Jesus yet, you haven't stepped into communication with God, and today is your time to do that. That you say, Jesus, I need you to forgive me for everything I've done wrong, and I need you to be my God be the leader of my life. If you want to do that, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And then we're going to hear what God has uh, from Joan for us after we pray this prayer of salvation. But just agree with me as in your heart as I pray it out loud. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you love us even when we don't do things right at all. And that you have given your life so we can be forgiven and set free. Right now, I ask that you'd forgive me for everything I've done wrong, every sin I've committed, every shortfalling that I have had in my life, every time I've missed the mark, wash it off my record, Jesus, and now take me forward. Be my God. I give you my life. I ask you'd fill me with your spirit to overflowing, to empower me, to talk with you, and to live the life you've created me to live. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Joan. As Pastor is sharing with us, one thing he spoke about was the need to believe when we pray. And the Lord wants me to share a little story with you because it's not the words we say that touch the heart of God. There was a couple from Stevens Point who had a critically ill newborn baby that was transferred to Marshfield, and I was the baby's nurse. And nothing we could do would get the baby's heart to transfer the blood vessels around so the baby's blood would come from the heart into the lungs, pick up oxygen, and go out to the body. But it wasn't working. The baby was born severely infected. And so the father, realizing that his son was going to die, went home to get the big sister who was five years old so she could at least see her baby before it died. And when daddy, when the father got home, he said, honey, um, our baby isn't going to come home with mama. Jesus wants him. 
And she said, Jesus can't have them. This is my baby. Jesus can't have him. And he said, but honey, he's very, very sick. And she said, Jesus, we have to pray. Or Daddy, we have to pray. And she said, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. And he, she says, okay, Daddy, let's go see my baby. Jesus said I can have him. And so... The father went, knowing that his daughter's heart would be broken. His heart was broken. But when he got there, there was a hustle of busyness around the isolate because the heart opened the right blood vessels and closed the wrong ones. And the baby was on a ventilator, not requiring even a lot of oxygen. And the father said, what happened? And the wife said, he's going to live. And the father said, what time? And it was the exact moment that little girl said her prayer. Don't worry about the words. Just have faith. Thank you, Joan. Wow. <laughs> what a testimony. Well, Lord, we need your, your help and your strength in this whole realm of prayer. We ask these next 21 days would be different than anything we've done before. Any time we've done this before, and you would move. We put our faith in you, not our prayer, not our fasting, not our ability to get it right, but in the God who sets all things right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, and please join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. for our worship service. 